This morning we continue our study of the crucifixion of Jesus. Last week we covered the first three hours Jesus hung on the cross. Hours of mocking and taunting. He saved others. Let him save himself. But he wouldn't save himself. He was there to save us. He had come to earth to be there. And no one could convince him to leave the cross prematurely. Today we look at Jesus' last three hours on the cross. Three hours of spiritual and literal darkness. We're in Luke chapter 23. And it was now about the sixth hour And darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, the sun being obscured. And the veil of the temple was torn in two. Now, if you're reading John's account of the crucifixion, there seems to be a discrepancy about the time. He tells us that Pilate delivered Jesus over to be crucified about the sixth hour. And in the other Gospels, Jesus had been on the cross for three hours by the sixth hour. Well, the most obvious answer is simply that John, writing sometime after the others, is using Roman time rather than the common Jewish way of marking time. The Jews marked time from the sunrise, approximately 6 a.m., So the sixth hour in Matthew, Mark, and Luke would be noon rather than 6 a.m. And if our understanding is correct, John is telling us that Jesus was led away to be crucified at 6 a.m. And Mark tells us it was the third hour, 9 a.m., when Jesus was actually nailed to the cross. He had thus been on the cross for three hours where we pick up the account. And during those three hours, Jesus spoke three times and was mocked and challenged to save himself. His first words from the cross blow us away. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. For a time, the spectators just stood there and remained silent. But the Jewish leaders who had put him there didn't want that silence to turn into sympathy. And so they started mocking Jesus. Before long, passers-by joined in, as did the soldiers and the criminals crucified with him. The thief, who then repented of his taunting and asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom, led to Jesus' second word from the cross, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was also during this time that Jesus spoke to his mother, woman, Behold your son. And to the Apostle John, who was standing at the foot of the cross with a small group of women, Behold your mother. 
In doing so, he entrusted his mother into John's care. But then something happened that changed the scene drastically. Darkness fell over the whole land at high noon. Now, the word can actually be translated land, earth, or world. And that has led some to suggest that at that moment, the entire earth went dark. And that may be what happened. At the very least, it became dark where there was anyone who knew or who would soon know what was happening. How it became dark, we really aren't told. The text literally says, the sun failing. The NIV interprets that as the sun stopped shining. The New American Standard says the sun being obscured. Now, it's doubtful that there was an eclipse because the moon would have been full during the Passover. And it's highly unlikely that the sun actually stopped shining. Perhaps the sun was obscured by a dense fog or smoke or spiritual pollution. However it happened, it was dark, supernaturally dark. And I'm pretty sure at that point the mocking ceased. I've got a feeling that silence accompanied the darkness until the end of those three hours. Luke does, however, record something else that happened while it was dark. He notes that the veil was torn in two. Now, Matthew and Mark make it clear that this actually happened at the end of the last three hours, at the moment of Jesus' death. And Matthew tells us some other things happened at that moment as well. And behold, the veil in the temple was torn into from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after the resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs were opened, and the veil was torn from top to bottom. The darkness and tremors. I'm not sure the difference between a tremor and a trembler. I tried to find out. I think a trembler is an even bigger tremor. Whatever it was, the earth was shaking. And I think the darkness and the tremblers marked the horror that was taking place on the cross. It may have been creation's reaction to the death of the Creator. The tombs opening and the saints leaving them after the resurrection of Jesus testify to the fact that His resurrection is the key to our own resurrection. And the veil being torn in two makes it clear that it is now possible for all to come into the presence of God through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The veil was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place in the temple. A veil 
that separated God from man. And only the high priest could enter through the veil once a year on the Day of Atonement. When that curtain was torn in two, from the top to the bottom, it signaled that God was opening the way for all to enter through the veil. And the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus became that veil through which we enter into the presence of God. In Hebrews 10, he writes, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, we can now draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. The death of Jesus drew the final three hours on the cross to a close. Three hours that were marked primarily by silence and darkness because the Son of God was in darkness. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, Luke abbreviates the account of the final three hours on the cross by only recording for us the last words of Jesus. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Matthew and Mark tell us his first words in the darkness cried out with a loud voice, were my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was being cut off from his Father in heaven, and the darkness symbolized it. The penalty for sin is separation from God, and Jesus experienced that separation on our behalf while in darkness on the cross. It was that separation that led to his cry, recorded for us by Matthew and Mark in his native tongue, Eli, Eli, or Eloi, Eloi, Lema, love, sub, uh, sub, how do you say this, Blake? <laughs> yeah, Lema Sabachthani. Now you know why they were confused. They thought he was crying out to Elijah to help him. But his cry was simply the cry of anguish. From the cross. John then records for us his next word from the cross. A simple, I thirst. He'd been on the cross for six hours. And he was parched, but he had something else to say. He was given a drink of vinegar from a sponge on a stick. He wet his lips. He cleared his throat and declared, it is finished. Now, Scott made clear last week in his communion meditation, that was not a cry of defeat. It was a cry of victory. It was over. He had finished what he had come to do. He had paid the price. He had experienced the spiritual death, the separation from God that sin required. 
was nothing more for him to do but die physically and rise again. It was finished. The battle was over. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. On that line stands the old rugged cross. On that cross, our battle is raging for the gain of men's soul or its loss. On one side march the forces of evil, all the demons and devils of hell. On the now pray, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. You may recall those words from our psalm this morning, words that may have been incorporated into a bedtime prayer for Jewish children, a prayer similar to one many of us learned as a child. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That was Jesus' final prayer. But it wasn't the whisper of a dying man. It was the confident proclamation of one completely in charge. And then speaking as a physician, Luke simply notes that Jesus breathed his last. John says he gave up, delivered up. His spirit. Matthew says he yielded up, released his spirit. The point is that no one took his life from him. He gave it up. 
he dismissed his spirit and left his body behind on the cross. The Son of God had died in darkness. But in doing so, he brought light to the world. In fact, after the darkness came a great light. Literally. Now, when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Something happened at the moment of Jesus' death that you may not have noticed before. The lights came back on. Luke tells us the darkness was over the land from the sixth hour until the ninth hour. That means the sun became visible again at the ninth hour. The ninth hour was when Jesus died. At that moment, the darkness ended. Light returned to the earth at the death of God's Son. And not only did the Son cease from being obscured, the Son of God ceased from being obscured as well. At His death, the centurion in charge of the crucifixion declared, certainly this man was innocent. Literally, the word means righteous. And apparently he thought Jesus was even more than righteous. Mark tells us that when he saw the way Jesus breathed his last, he declared, truly this man was the Son of God. Matthew indicates that he wasn't the only one to come to that conclusion. He writes, now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening became very frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, what they meant by that, we can't be sure. In fact, it's possible that they merely meant He was a Son of God or a Son of a God. The theology wasn't clear. Whatever they meant, it was obvious that they knew He was more than just a man. Things they had seen and the way he died convinced them that Jesus was no ordinary man. And his executioners weren't the only ones who saw Jesus in a different light after his death. The multitudes that had come to see a spectacle went home in anguish over the death of Jesus. They went home beating their breasts. It's the same way the tax gatherer responded when he realized his sinfulness before God and asked for mercy. Whether the spectators actually repented at that point or not, we're not told. But what they had seen no doubt helped prepare them for Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. 
when he declared that God had made the Jesus they crucified, both Lord and Christ, they were pierced to the heart. And when they asked what they should do to be saved, 3,000 responded to Peter's instruction by being baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Those who had planned on merely being spectators at a crucifixion were changed by the death of Jesus. It's my prayer that those who come simply to see what goes on in Chatham Christian Church will be changed by the death of Jesus. And history tells us that those who were his acquaintances and the women from Galilee were changed as well. They may have been standing at a distance when he was crucified, but they stood front and center when it came time to be witnesses to his death and resurrection. Even those who loved Jesus most were changed by the cross. They may have misunderstood him in life, and he may not have met their every expectation. They may have been in the dark about who he was and his ultimate purpose in coming to earth. But when the lights came on at his death, they could see him for who he really was, who he really is. He's the Son of God and only Savior. Jesus endured the darkness. So he could become the light of the world. And I pray that you have seen him for who he really is. And have come into the light that he brings. Light that changes everything. I pray. I pray. You're in that light this morning.